Welcome, everyone, to Season 4, Episode 120 of the Premiere Pod. Yes, you heard it. We are starting Season 4 of the Premiere Pod. Kind of crazy. I was talking to Tyler before we started hitting record on this podcast. It's kind of crazy because we started this podcast on the beginning of August of 2018, which was the 2018-19 season, and now we are heading into the 2021-22 season. So it's really crazy how much has gone by during those four years, but... We are coming back from our summer break hiatus. I wouldn't even say hiatus. It was a summer break for us yeah. to kind of get relaxed. Um, a couple of things have changed. Um, obviously, if you could tell Tyler's in kind of like a new setup, not permanent, but like a temporary setup right now. Um, before, I guess we jump in, we wanted to preview some things. But Tyler, I uh, wanted you to say hello and kind of welcome the viewers into the new setup, the people that are watching the video <laughs> podcast, at least. Hey, guys. I'm currently in like a temporary location with like a temporary mic so if it sounds a little different that's why but way back in like a few more episodes but yeah just kind of taking the most of this remote work these days and now i'm just on the west coast for a little bit but yeah, yeah. it's it's crazy that a whole summer's kind of passed we had the euros yeah, I feel like it's gone by went by so fast because uh, mm-hmm. yeah like like i was about to say we had um a lot of summer football it wasn't it wasn't just a c- complete hiatus from everyone we had a lot of summer footy from the euros happening copa america happening the nations league final the gold cup uh tournament the olympics you know as we're speaking is still going on right now um olympic soccer but it's crazy because italy won the euros Argentina, Messi finally lifted up the Copa America. Messi finally got his first international trophy with Argentina. So both of me and Tyler were super happy about that. Um, United States beat Mexico in two finals, which is crazy. They beat them in the Nations League final and they won the Gold Cup final a couple days back. So a lot of summer footy. I do feel bad for the players, though. I feel like they've gotten like zero rest. Like they maybe maybe gotten like a couple weeks or like maybe a week at most, but it's insane that they're now starting the grind again for a very long season again. I, I just hope compared to last season, hopefully the injuries die down a little bit because it's, it's so much. They're playing so much at this rate, mm-hmm. the amount of football they're playing. I feel sorry for that Barcelona youth player, Pedri. Like, oh, I, yeah, Pedri. Oh, he played like every minute and then he yeah. played every minute of like the Euros. And then I think he played. I think he's also in the Olympic squad, too. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. like, man, this guy doesn't stop. Yeah, literally, there's a funny meme of like, literally, he is only, I think, 19, um, mm-hmm. 18 or 19. He, and he still, and he looks like he's like 30 years old with the amount <laughs> of games he's played. Like, he just looks like he's so old. And it was an interview. He just said that I'm going to do whatever Barcelona tells me to do. <laughs> so if Barca, if he comes back from the Olympics and Barca's like, all right, we need you to start the next five games, he'll be like, okay. So it's That's just crazy you- how much. <laughs> it's really crazy how much they're how much they're playing. But um, I guess in terms of the Premier League. Uh, the Premier League season. Um, to note, we are recording this on August 2nd. The reason we're not recording it, I guess, um, sooner to the Premier League start date is because um, there's a couple of scheduling conflicts that have uh, that, are, that will be coming up in the next two weeks for us. So we wanted to make sure we got the preview episode in. So just to be aware, we are recording this on August 2nd of 2021. Um, so obviously, any transfers, any of the picks we make, are essentially we're going to keep them locked in but obviously if anything major happens you know give us some leeway because we are recording it two weeks before the season actually um, kicks off underway against the Brentford Arsenal game but obviously it's still only August 2nd but there have been some major transfers and some major moves happening within the Premier League and none other I would say um, I guess one club that has made the biggest move is my club Manchester United have made some of the 
I would say most notably, I guess, high key, really like really well-known signings um, of this transfer window. They have signed uh, Jaden Sancho officially and they have agreed personal terms subject to a medical to um, sign Rafael Varane, which it's going to happen. He just, I think he's flying over to Manchester this week to complete his move. Um, and then just to sprinkle in some other magic, Tom Heaton signed as a free agent, um, as a goalkeeping, as a, as a free agent, as a goalkeeper. But yeah, Tyler, I, I will say this has been a very, very pleasant surprise because if you've listened to this podcast for the past three seasons, you've probably heard me complain about Manchester United's dealings in the transfer window, specifically when it comes to the summer transfer window in terms of how long it takes for United to sign one player. Because if you follow the Jaden Sancho transfer saga last season, we literally negotiated with Dortmund for the entirety of the transfer window and we still didn't end up getting him. And any player we were linked to, we literally had to negotiate for at least a month or 30 days or 20 days until finally the deal fell through. Um, but now, under the new tutelage of, I think, John, I can't say his, uh, Mertenbow, I think, and then Darren Fletcher, they've kind of taken on the head of recruitment and the head of um, transfer dealings for Manchester United. And part of the reason Varane wanted to sign was because of the affiliation he had with Manchester United growing up as a as a kid, but also he was swayed particularly by Darren Fletcher's presentation um, and to kind of sway him to come to Manchester United. So I think the fact that those two have kind of led the recruitment under United have helped with basically signing players at a lot more of a faster rate. And not only does this bring a lot more ease to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because he said in an interview that it is nice to see the players come in a little bit early because he's seen what happened when players have come in later. It gives him more time uh, for him to kind of start training these new players under his system, under his philosophy, and also gives the players a chance to get acclimated with everyone else in the squad. So um, seeing United get the players in earlier in the window, very, very happy, but also the quality of players they brought in is also top notch. Like I'm, I'm very happy. I can't complain. They literally listen to the podcast. I, I feel because yeah. <laughs> every position so far that United have gotten players for fixed. For, yeah, it's fixed. You got right winger and then center back. If mm-hmm. anyone's listened to the podcast for the past couple seasons, you know <laughs> how much Yush raves about how United need a proper right winger that's not Dan James and then a center back that's not Lindelof. And then right now, <laughs> the only position they're really missing is CDM. center defensive mid. Yeah, CDM. And I, I keep telling Yosh, I'm like, they have McFred. They have the McSauce and Fred. But he's like, no, they're not the same as having like a Conte or a Fabinho. And I'm like, I guess, like I guess a, you're right. Like a, yeah, Rodri or Fernandinho. Mm-hmm. Um, it was funny. One of them, I, I posted on Twitter, like when they announced Varane, I was like, yes, all you need now is like one proper CDM away from the title. And one of my friends was just like, yeah, if they make these signings and still run McFred this season, it's <laughs> it's not gonna it's not a good look. Um, because I've said it before, you know, Fred and McTominay, they're decent players, but they both. The reason Solskjaer plays them both is because they both can't do the same job. It's like one can do a little bit of the others can't. But then, like, they just equal each other out. Um, but United have been linked um, in terms of they're trying to get and recruit a CDM. But if they can get one, like a really good one or a proper one that they can mold into, you know, kind of being a star CDM, I, I think, you know, the title the title is not too far away from them. But they if they don't get the CDM, I, I don't think the title is for them. But I think they're going to get really close to in terms of winning or winning some silverware this year, for sure. I definitely think with this squad, they can definitely win a trophy um, this season. I really think this United squad is one of the best I've seen oh, yeah. in the past several post-Fergie. seasons. Yeah, post Fergie for sure, because 
they literally got two players that I believe are world-class. Like these are two players that aren't developmental. I mean, maybe Sancho still has a little bit more that he can bring into his, his skill and skill set, but Varane, that is purely just plug and play. Like this is a player won every trophy you can imagine. Yeah. That is, it's literally, he, he's brought like a world cup champions league titles, La Liga, Copa del Rey, like anything you can think of Varane has pretty much won it all. Um, and Mm. you know, this type of signing, to be honest, I haven't seen this quality of signing like Liverpool. I would say in the past couple of seasons have made these type of signings where when they plug and play Virgil van Dijk, they plug and play Fabinho, plug and play, you know, Salah. Like you knew when they signed these players what you were going to get because they were just automatically really good players. And then they elevated the squad that much. And United, it's just amazing what uh, what they've done this season because it's not too long ago. I, I will point um, listeners to this. Not too long ago when Mourinho was entering his third season and wanted to swap um, Anthony Martial for Ivan Perisic and he wanted to also sign... I, I, I can't forget the other player, but he wanted to sign Perisic for a swap deal for Martial. He brought in like a 29 or 30-year-old Nemanja Matic. He brought in, you know, Henrik Mkhitaryan. So the quality of players they're signing now is just... Night and day, so much better. And the quality of players we're being linked to is just so much better. It's almost as if Manchester United finally woke up and realized, hey, we're Manchester United. We don't need to be signing, you know, random regen players. We can go out and get the best players out in the world if we just flex our muscles a little bit. Mm -hmm. You don't have to just settle on Ben White. You can actually get (laughs) Varane, which is insane. I feel like they literally brought Varane in as a partner for Maguire. And yeah. I feel like in real life, it's more like Maguire is the partner for Ron, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel like he's the best defender historically based on just resume so far. And then Sancho, I feel it's pretty funny. Y'all got Sancho because really? was he on Man City at one point? Yeah, he was a he was a Man City youth product. Um, and he I think he left in the 20... 20- I think actually the first season we recorded our podcast, I think he left mm-hmm. and joined Dortmund. And... United were actually looking to swoop him and get him before he joined Dortmund, but obviously he ended up joining um, Borussia Dortmund, and then um, we've been linked with him ever since. But that that front line for United is going to be insane because now Rashford, I, I will point out Rashford will miss, I think, the first three months of the season with a shoulder surgery. He's going to get his shoulder fixed up. But United fans are really, really happy about that. I'm happy that he's taking the time to get surgery because I would rather have – Marcus Rashford missed the first three months of the season, knowing that we're going to get a healthy, rejuvenated, fresh, very fit Marcus Rashford for the rest of the season than having a limpered, you know, Rashford that's not up to 100% of his play. But you're talking about a 20, I think 22-year-old Marcus Rashford, a 21-year-old Jaden Sancho. Up front, you know, Edison Cavani, Marcial are probably going to switch. But I will say Anthony Ilenga has looked pretty decent. Um, as a forward option, maybe as a backup. But then you have Mason Greenwood, who's only 19, to play striker as well, that can develop as a striker. That front, I would say that front trio of United, they're re- they're young, they're really good, they're really skillful, they're really pacey. They, oh, it, it's, it's, it's really, really cool. I, I'm really, really excited to see what they can bring um, in terms of the goals they can score and kind of the assist and the chances they're going to create with that front three. And not to mention, you have Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, uh, it's it's going to be very exciting to see what United can do on the attacking front this season. Mm-hmm. The ceiling for this front is so high that it kind of oh, scares yeah. me. Um, yeah. At one point, I was thinking, I was like, man, this Man U attack, it might be the one of the best in the league right True. now just because yeah. um, 
everyone out here is just it's a lot of pace. I value pace a lot. It's like FIFA, you know, <laughs> like this team would be insane in FIFA. But I also have to give some credit to uh, Tom Heaton. He used to be one of the yeah. top keepers in the Premier League. He's now third string for United, which is kind of weird to say. But <laughs> you still have Dean Henderson and De Gea. Like that's yeah. a kind of like a more quiet saga that hasn't really developed too much over the summer. But, mm-hmm. you know, Tom Heaton, now he's coming in for Sergio Romeo, who is out now. And yeah. I mean, that's just, you just got to give him his one minute, <laughs> yeah. one minute of peace. But I think yeah, this team it, is pretty promising. I, I feel like these kind of moves are going to move United into almost like a guaranteed top four. Like, I don't yeah. want to say guarantee anything because that's how the Premier League is usually. Nothing yeah. guaranteed, but this but, team. Like, yeah. Or at least at least getting close, really close to winning a trophy this season. Mm-hmm. I think sure. this could be it. Like, I, and I think like um, this, I will say the the front line is also really awesome. But I think what's really exciting is going to be the back line because Luke Shaw had probably one of the best. He was probably one of the best players in the Euros um, this tournament. And even Roberto Carlos commented on his like left back as him being a left back. Uh, obviously, we all know Roberto Carlos, legendary left back um, for Brazil. Um, and he commented saying that he's really impressed with Luke Shaw. And Luke Shaw, man, this guy, like last season, he basically transformed himself into a really, really, really good left back. And um, Garrett Southgate basically trusted Luke Shaw to be the main left back over Ben Chilwell um, for the England national team. And Luke Shaw basically took it and ran with it. And was he scored the he scored the opening goal in the Euro final. Obviously, as we know, England fell out of the Euros. They, they lost in the final. But Luke Shaw... He's going to be a really key player for us. Best left back, I would say, probably going into the Premier League season or up there. And then you have Aaron Wan-Bissaka, who's been a solid right back for the past couple of seasons for United. So you add Varane with Maguire and with the back line. I think the back line is going to be really good. So you're talking about a really solid back line with a really solid front. Now it's just got to fit the last piece of the puzzle, that CDM, and then boom, now we're talking. This is like having that supercar where you got the front, you got the back, and then now you almost got the middle. All you just, right now, everyone's just sitting on a bucket. That's that's the yeah. one missing thing in the yeah. car. It's just the it's seat. Like, and the I feel like wheel. with Liverpool, it's like when they signed Fabinho, it's like boom, they got that that last piece of puzzle to finally take that next step. You know, <laughs> I mean, so, it's probably a luxury that now that Liverpool's had so long now that <laughs> I kind of forgot about. It's kind of like that spine. It's kind of. Mm-hmm. A double sung hero. It's kind of like a double spine though, because you do have Henderson and Fabinho kind of interchanging in that little mm-hmm. middle spine up the the back of Liverpool. But yeah, I feel like this team though, it's it's just scary. It mm, like Sancho <laughs> is just literally that same situation I had when you guys had signed Bruno Fernandez last season, where I was like, man, that's a really good one. Yeah, <laughs> like, I really, like, really yeah, upset it's like when Chelsea signed Kai Havertz, like everyone was just like, oh. Yeah, it's just like one of those where you're just like, you know the player's really good, and it's just like, dang, they got a good one. They got a, they good, got a one. good one. Um, but yeah, United have had, I think, probably one of the best transfer windows I've seen since post-Furky, but also uh, for the Premier League as of right now. But moving on to Liverpool, you know, Tyler's team, they've had a very interesting one, I would say, because they have um, brought in Konate, but they lost a probably a really key piece of one of their core um pieces of the puzzle when Klopp's been since Klopp's time at Liverpool and it's Genie Wijnaldum. He has obviously didn't sign a new contract with Liverpool and left to go to PSG. And I don't know, Tyler, do you feel like they 
I guess Tiago, do you feel like Tiago solves the Genie Wijnaldum piece or do you feel like that's still going to be like something they need to ch- try to find in the transfer window in the remaining days? I feel like Jorginho Wijnaldum, Genie, our man, he's been <laughs> kind of like our solid center mid for the longest time and mm-hmm. an unsung hero too. I feel like he's one of our more underrated players. That's so just solid box to box. And mm-hmm. I feel like at the same time, that role that he had at Liverpool is not what he ultimately wanted to do. As you can see him play for the Dutch national team, he plays a lot more attacking, you know, gets in on the goals. Whereas for Liverpool, he does a little bit more of the the dirty work, just kind of sitting back and letting the front three do more of the magic and getting the occasional goal here and there. And mm-hmm. I think that's why he had to leave in his own kind of terms because he's like, man, this is kind of boring to do. <laughs> so the thing is, I feel like Liverpool are kind of set in terms of having a replacement for him. Like Curtis Jones is a player that is from the Liverpool Youth Academy that's kind of risen in the past couple of years. And last season, I was very impressed with him in terms of his ball retention and also just like his technical abilities where mm-hmm. it's kind of similar to Juan Alden where, you know, you could it's hard to get the ball off of him, but he was able to have the kind of instinct to get out of sticky situations and do some skills that you want to expect someone like him to have. He has a little bit of sauce in his back pocket, kind of like Juan Alden. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, okay, I didn't, oh. <laughs> and just gets out of those sticky situations. So I feel like over time, Curtis Jones will be, I would say, Juan Naldum-esque, if not even better at times, just because I feel like he has that little kind of swagger about him. And being a Liverpool Youth Academy player, I feel like there's a little bit of edge from them, you know, like from a Trent or from like a Steven Gerrard, where it's just like, because you know they're from the academy, they have like a little bit of chip on their shoulder. It's like, all right, I got to make sure... I make the academy look good and kind of prove myself every single time. Whereas Jorginho, Wijnaldum just kind of came from Newcastle. And it's just like, ah, this is way better than Newcastle. You know, I know <laughs> I'm good. And this, and like, he didn't really have anything to prove. While Curtis Jones, I feel like he was a man that kind of, kind of played his way into that starting 11 at times. And, mm-hmm. you know, the starting 11 is one of the best starting 11s of the past decade too. So it's like, you got to have to keep that competition up. But yeah, I think in terms of having a center mid there, I feel like we're set. The real question, actually, in my opinion, is just like, what are we going to do if like Henderson goes down again? Because mm. then it comes a question of like, who would be the leader? Because like Wijnaldum, he would take the captain armband at times and help control that midfield. But without him, I guess would it'd be, be Thiago. Yeah, Van Dyke just right behind the but. We need someone in that midfield too, you know, to have that voice. And mm-hmm. Thiago at times, you know, I don't know. It's maybe he'll grow into the more into the second season. Yeah, but, I will say that I, I didn't feel like Thiago had a really good Euros. Um, yeah, that too. He was yeah. on the bench for most of it. Yeah, and when he did come on, I he I think it was one game where he came on like in the past, like for the final twenty minutes, and he misplaced like a couple passes, and you could just see Luis Enrique just going berserk on the side, like "Come on!" I'm like, I only brought you on for twenty minutes, and you're already misplacing passes. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe you know we'll have to see if like a bad Euros kind of comes in into the Liverpool season. Maybe he just kind of reawakens, you know, that Bayern Munich form where he just is a turns into the world class player that he is again. Yeah, he had have had some weird spurts of mm-hmm. just confidence, I feel like, and his abilities. Like, I guess if this was like Ted Lasso, it'd be like the yips. Oh, we can't really say that, <laughs> but it's just like, or if you feel like you know what this player is capable of, but yeah. he's just not hitting those standards. Like, just some basic things he's just like, he's just yeah. like goofing on and then just 
gets kind of too aggressive and just pulls a random yellow card like every game. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but, I mean, I feel like Liverpool also, in their own situation, are kind of feeling safe about that position too because they just also got rid of Marco Gruich. Marco Gruich yeah. is another center mid that they've held on to for like a few years now. They've loaned him out, you know, Hertha Berlin, loaned him out to Porto, and they never brought him back. I felt like he was like a Milinkovic Savage region where he had the potential and like all like the makings physically to be the next Milinkovic Savage, but he just never really got to that. He was more like a subpar. <laughs> He's just a lanky man. Yeah. But uh you know, they got rid of him. Harry Wilson also was let go. And he was more like Wait, a winger. Where did he go? Um, I believe he's at Bournemouth or Cardiff. One of the two. Okay. But he also got let go. I believe he's in the championship. I just remember that free kick he scored against Man City. That's like all he did, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he had a lot of potential. But it's just like, man, just never, never could do it. And I believe in mm-hmm. one of like the crucial relegation battles, I believe when he was at Bournemouth, uh, he missed a crucial <laughs> shot. Like a one-on-one. I was like, man, this, he does not have... I'm sorry, clutch Harry, gene. but he does not have that clutch gene. And I, you uh, know... Rian Brewster. Rian, oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> Don't remind me of that. Oh, man. But I, ironically enough, too, another key player that we haven't mentioned yet that has a lot of rumors floating around. We're not going to mention too many rumors, but shooting Shakiri, he might be mm, on his oh, way yeah, out, too, yeah. which is kind of sad because he's been like a good impact bench player. But, I mean, he's shooting secure. He shouldn't really be on the bench, really. He was the pride of Stoke City at one point. He was (laughs) the bee's knees over there. And then he came over here and made He was. uh, It was so weird because I I feel like whenever they bought him, I feel like they had to, like, tell him, like, yeah, you're just going to be a bench player, like, super sub. There's no way you're getting in front of, like, Mane (laughs) or Salah, like... But I think he he wanted to like you know have a chance to win some silver, and you know, granted, they won pretty much everything they could, but yeah, I, I definitely agree. I think he's what twenty nine now or thirty. Yeah, he's um, kind of near one Alden's age. Yeah, so and, he was probably thinking like I need like one more big contract because like this might be my last time to get like a big contract, you know. So there's only it's, so it's, much you can do on the bench. Yeah, so it's tough for those. But like for Kanate, their new center back signing, um, I mentioned this like obviously nat phillips um was a big key i guess kind of the key defender that kind of came out um and i guess in a way cemented his place in terms of being a good player for them at the tail end of that seven game win streak for liverpool but um with konate coming in i know tyler you mentioned that you could see nat phillips um on the on the way out or essentially being loaned out essentially Mm -hmm. i think nat phillips at this point he's like the fifth string center back yeah and everyone's back healthy like we have van dyke back joe gomez back we have ibrahima konate the new center back from rb leipzig who's very high ceiling and has a lot of promise and you know joel matip the classic meme is back (laughs) and that kind of brings nat phillips to the fifth string like he's not really above any of those four and Reese Williams is already on track to be loaned to a championship team. Like, there's a lot of rumors about that. It's probably going to happen just so you can get some more first team minutes. But it was kind of like a miracle that they, those two, Reese Williams and Nat Phillips, both yeah. even had starts. So I feel like Nat Phillips, this could be his, you know, springboard, his diving board to getting a good contract in another team. Because I really, for him, I don't know if he's going to get another. Good you think he has like the for, quality, the quality to be like starting Liverpool center back or backups Liverpool center back consistently? 
I would love him to be a backup, but like he's, I believe, 24, 25. He looks a lot older, but he has so much potential. And just having that kind of season on his resume, I think yes. for his own sake, for his career, he should move to somewhere else. And Liverpool yeah, will probably get a, decent, get a decent payday. Yeah, for that too, in terms of transfer. Who, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who, who was that center back they signed last season from the championship? It was like some oh, Ben Davies. Yeah. What happened to him? Man, he's just. Happy to be there. He's like seventh string center back. So I'm so, I was like, there was so much hype around him, but he didn't even play. I don't even know yeah. he even made the bench at times. So I was like, I, I feel like he's the equivalent of practice squad in the NFL. Like he cannot make anywhere close to that starting eleven. But and I, mean, was, and I forgot they um they didn't they did not resign the uh, the defender from Schalke. I'm forgetting his name. Oh Kabak. Thank yeah. goodness. <laughs> As Tyler like said, he man. moves like a truck. Moves like a truck if <laughs> it can only you know reverse up and down. <laughs> no, Jeez. no agility. Huh? No agility. This man, I have more agility than him. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man, the Liverpool. They they they've had a I would say interesting transfer window. Um, we'll see if they do end up bringing anyone else. I know Tyler mentioned that the one position he really felt like they needed was striker and. They still haven't. I, I feel like they haven't even been linked to anybody, like no. any strikers either. Maybe they're really banking on Diogo Jota just going off again, being the main, maybe false maybe, nine. Maybe, maybe, maybe they're trying to like hold, maybe they're hoping maybe Harry Kane or Erling Holland or <laughs> Mbappe don't sign anywhere this season and then make a big move for one of those three guys. Yeah. My dream would be Mbappe or Holland, obviously, but yeah. you know, we got to Kumi Minamino, man. You cannot forget about <laughs> my man, Minamino. He's going to be the star. And even in the preseason, too, he, was, he scored a goal. So, I mean, you got he that going. He can take going. Shakiri's spot. He can take Shakiri's spot as like a super sub. Or Divock yeah. Origi. Who knows if he's still going to be here this season as well. He's kind of rumored to be out as well, which is kind of sad. I really like him. But yeah. he didn't really have the same magic last season. But my last note, I guess, I would say for this Liverpool squad, with the minimal transfers they had coming in, is that Konate, this is very interesting for their center back situation just because now there's a lot of talks about, you know, do you do Joe Gomez with Van Dyke or do you do Van Dyke with Konate? And Konate, you know, he's pretty raw. I feel like if this is the equivalent, this is like getting a player that has a lot of good athletic traits and physical traits, but he's very raw in terms of his like technical abilities and so far also just his you know, just knowledge of just how the team works itself. Like, I feel like you have to kind of learn the playbook for Liverpool and how they play mm-hmm. in particular. So I don't think he's going to be like a straight kind of plug and play, kind of like a Varane would for Manchester United. Like, I think this is more of a developmental kind of situation. So I still think it will be Van Dyke and Joe Gomez that will start together. But mm-hmm. I mean, if, you know, Joe Gomez goes down, which usually kind of happens some point in the season. <laughs> Konate, he's, he's pretty promising. This is kind of like yeah. the equivalent of like Gregory Rousseau in like NFL, where it's just like, yeah. you got like the six foot seven dude who has all the potential in the world and you just pray hey, that something works out. I will say that it's not bad having Van Dyke as your partner, have someone That's like true. lead you and command you like that. So I feel like having Van Dyke is going to be a big help when he does play because even Matip as well, because then you have people that are experienced, that know how to play, um, that can teach him and basically guide him um, as much as they can during the game and in practice and such. So, yeah, I, I think Konate would be a steal because I, I thought, you know, when I was reading last season when it was came to RB Leipzig, I know Upa Meccano was, you know, 
everyone's dream center back signing. But a lot of people were just like, forget Upamakano, focus on Konate because they said Konate could be actually end up being better than Upamakano um, mm-hmm. in the coming years. So we'll see. We'll see if Liverpool actually ended up getting the big steal here and um, Konate ends up developing into a, a star center back. But yeah. moving on to Arsenal, who actually made, actually, I feel like a lot of clubs have signed some big center back names, but <laughs> Arsenal. Um, has splashed the cash, um, confirming the signing of defender Ben White, the Englishman, who actually made the Euro squad, I think, when I cannot remember when one player had to pull out for injury. I think it was actually uh, Trent. When Trent um, went out with injury, Ben White was able to take his place. And during the training camp, I, there was a couple rumors of players saying were actually really impressed with the skill Ben White had. Um, but Arsenal made the signing from Brighton. I believe they signed him for around, uh, was it, 68 million um us dollars for ben white so i think he is i think the second most expensive defender in english and british football history but arsenal um this is like kind of like they're another big money signing they've made in the summer because last season they signed thomas Partey, which was a big signing then the season before that was nicola pepe so they splashed the cash a couple times in the summer transfer window and ben white i will have to give I guess Arsenal credit that he kind of fits the mold of what Mikel Arteta wants, a ball-playing center back that's very comfortable with the ball on his feet, um, can kind of play passes out and such. But um, I have heard that there are, like, Brighton people have said that last season when it came to defending crosses, he wasn't the most confident when it came to dealing with headers and dealing with aerial, um, aerial balls. But I guess for Arteta... The way he plays, he wanted the ball playing center back. So uh, they signed him. That was their biggest signing because the rest of their signings have kind of been, um, to put it from one of my coworkers, kind of like more regen signings. Um, so they've signed Nuno Tavares, Albert, Sambi, Lokongo, uh, and Mike Berith. So obviously three of those players I haven't heard too much about. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't have tape on them. I haven't heard too much, any noise about them, but maybe Arteta's got the big brain energy and he's, he's, he's got these guys in to develop them. But Ben White for sure has been the big signing for Arsenal and they've kind of made some more, I would say, very, very low-key signings that maybe help kind of flush out their squad a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I echo what you just said where it's just, I don't know the other three. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Exactly. These are what I call also prospect players too just more for development i it might see him in a cup competition but i don't think you'll see him yeah but ben white for sure is definitely starting hopefully he's not mustafi in terms of just like a big money center back signing Swap. hopefully i didn't curse the arsenal <laughs> fans it's, there but so it's weird because uh one of my friends that's an arsenal fan um he was actually really upset that arsenal let this man go out on loan which was william saliba mm-hmm. um arsenal fans all over the world have been raving about why hasn't Arteta been playing Saliba because they feel like he would be a perfect um, um, per- perfect person to play in the defense. But it just seems like Arteta is not the biggest fan of him and, and he's been continuously loaned out ever since. So I know Arsenal fans were a little upset that Saliba has kind of been put out on loan again. Um, but I will say that the meme David Luiz has been released. So at least for Arsenal fans, you won't have to deal with any stupidity of David Luiz anymore. I guess the occasional one. David Luiz, throughout his career it's gotten a little better you know he's went from <laughs> trying to score 50 yard free kicks and occasionally getting a few to from the world of, cup yeah, from the world <laughs> cup and then being like the big man at times to you know still getting the occasional red card from just random stupidity but you know i'd say over time that is still a pretty good leader in terms of that mm-hmm. center back so he's kind of underrated but saliva that was also a very interesting one for me too because i was like don't y'all have this man, <laughs> just yeah. you just whip him out. It's like, why not? Is there something we just don't know? Maybe he's just actually bad. 
and then yeah. uh, they're just kind of hiding it so that eventually maybe they could sell them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't know if this is like a Jordan Love situation. <laughs> just like ah, it's just we kind of. I, I will. <laughs> I will say they also. Uh, I guess I. W- I wouldn't even say notable anymore because I feel like he's kind of lost a lot of that potential. But uh, Matteo Ganduzzi has been put out on loan as well uh, mm-hmm. again this season. Um, but I will say another big stuff that happened within Arsenal um, during the summer window was Emil Smith Rowe. He signed a new long term contract, and he also now has the number ten shirt at Arsenal, yeah. which is big news because the last person that had that was obviously Mesut Ozil. So he's the first person since post Ozil to take over the number ten jersey. So. Arsenal um, fans have been really high on him, but I will say the youth talent at Arsenal is not looking too bad because you have Bukayo Saka carrying the number seven shirt. Uh, Martinelli, um, obviously he's with the Olympics with Brazil right now, but when he comes back, he's going to be pretty solid. So um, Arsenal have some pretty decent players up top, young players that I think can, you know, that have shown, you know, have proven themselves that they can perform at a decently high level um, consistently. So I'm excited to see what that young crew kind of gets going. But um, I guess something that did happen over the weekend when they did play Chelsea was Thomas Partey. Um, He suffered, I believe, a muscle injury. And from what Arteta said, that it looks like it might be pretty serious. So unfortunately for Arsenal fans, Thomas Partey might be out for a prolonged period of time, which sucks because I I am actually, I really, when I feel like when Partey has played, he's looked really, really good. But I guess it's one of those Joe Gomez situations where he just could never stay fit long enough to actually showcase it. Man, it's just, Yes really wants the CDM. He saw Partey. <laughs> he's just, yeah. ooh. But yeah, they do have Granit Xhaka, and it looks like he's yeah. not leaving. He's not leaving yeah. the Roma. All of a sudden, it's just a massive U-turn. It's just, you yeah. know, Xhaka's I, It's back. so weird. I feel like Arsenal fans don't like Xhaka, but also like Xhaka. But then Granit Xhaka wants to leave, but he never leaves. It's just like the guy just doesn't want to... Like It's just like he can't make up his mind. He's the most bipolar and polarizing <laughs> player for... <laughs> arsenal that i've ever seen like i've never seen one player split a fan base so much and also bring together a fan base and enrage a fan base all together <laughs> within like two seasons it's insane uh, but yeah I, in my opinion i feel like jaka is probably here to stay like i think jaka mm-hmm. is he's he's a decent player still like he's done more good than bad so at least in the recent seasons. so and then even we saw the euros with him with Switzerland, like he was yeah. tearing it up. So, I mean, it's pretty promising still. So, I think mm-hmm. it's kind of like a blessing that he ended up not going to Roma. Yeah. yeah. So, Arsenal, they've had pretty, they've had a pretty decent um, transfer window and pretty busy, but Tottenham, mm-hmm. their neighbors in the North London side, um, their rivals, obviously, they've had some pretty big changes happen during the uh, summer window. Obviously, their new manager, when they sacked Jose Mourinho, they weren't going to keep, um, Uh, Ryan Mason as their interim coach, but they ended up after finally, it it seemed like they were just going on this huge carousel of of finally having a manager. Then that manager pulling out looked like Pochettino was going to come back for the big happy reunion. But then BSG was just like, nah, he's not leaving anywhere. And Pochettino was like, yeah, I'm not going anywhere. Uh, And then it seemed like they were going to sign Gattuso. Then Gattuso, then they were like, no, no, we don't want it. After the fans basically boycotted the move. Um, And then they looked like they were going to bring home the manager from uh, the previous manager from Roma. I believe, or um, forgetting his name, but he ended up not taking the job because of some disagreements with Daniel Levy. And then it looked like they were going to bring Antonio Conte. And then Antonio Conte couldn't get behind the plan that Daniel Levy had in terms of the transfer budget and who he wanted to bring in. And then finally, I feel like after like literally their last option, they finally got Nuno Espirito Santo to come in, the former Wolves manager. And 
It's a it's a bit weird because I feel like for Nuno, he definitely knows that he was not on the top of the list in terms of priority, like who they wanted, but they ended up did bringing him in. And I think Nuno is a very quality coach. But I think another big win for Tottenham was that they were able to get Hyun Min Sun. I don't know how they were able to do it. I think they probably like tied him down and made him like sign the contract. Um, they basically that he extended his contract with Spurs, which was a big move for um, Tottenham to get him in. But then a couple of other big, I guess outs that have went out was Danny Rose leaving the club, Juan Foyt leaving the club, Toby Alderweire leaving the club, and then also they finally swapped um, Eric Lamella to Sevilla to get Brian Hill, who is um, a very young Spanish winger um, from Sevilla. And then obviously the biggest question that's looming around Tottenham is the situation with Harry Kane. Harry Kane, as of today, August 2nd, reportedly did not show up to training to kind of force his way out of Tottenham. And all the reports are linking him to Manchester City being that's the club that he wants to go to. So Tottenham are kind of in a bit of a mess, but I will say for the most part, I feel like they've contained the mess as best as they can. And yeah, it's not going to be the same Tottenham that we've seen in the Premier League the past five seasons, I would say, but... I still wouldn't say like they're going to be completely, you know, deadbeats in the Premier League. I feel like they're still going to put up a decent fight, but it's going to be, I feel like if you're a Tottenham fan, I feel like they just know their expectations. It's going to be kind of a tough season. And I feel like all of them have kind of collectively embraced that it's going to be a tough season. But yeah, Tottenham, I feel like I've done a decent job of kind of containing the mess as best as they can. I feel like the main thing was yeah keeping him in Son because they probably just took Kane's contract that they're going to give him. They crossed out the name Kane and then just put Son. Yeah, it's just like here you go, Son. <laughs> you go, son, this is for you. And it's like okay. I feel so bad for Human Son though because I feel like he's 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 literally so good that he can play for any team that's fighting for Champions League you know glory right now. It mm-hmm. could easily slot into like pretty much any starting eleven if he could. Why is he so loyal to Tottenham? Like yeah, this, he's such a good teams. Yeah, I just don't get it. <laughs> My gosh. But this team, I don't know. It's uh, a lot of the, the old veterans of the team, the old staples of the team, like Alderweireld <laughs> is left, Danny Rose is left. And I feel like those two were like the last of that huge Gareth Bale kind of era where it's just like yeah. when Bale left actually, they brought in a bunch of these Lam- players literally Lamella was actually when he left he was the last Bale money signing yeah the Bale so, money. It's, so it's just like it, it feels weird just to see like that kind of era of Tottenham players kind of leave I feel mm-hmm. like the remaining few are kind of more up top you know Del Yali and Human Son but everyone I mean Hugo Lloris is always going to be there he's yeah. just like a staple but everyone yeah. else is just like this is like almost like a completely different team and now yeah. they brought in Brian Hill I don't know who this man is, but he's apparently <laughs> the next big thing for Tottenham. I, I, there really isn't that too much film on him either. And this is, I feel like this is kind of a, I don't even want to say shot in the dark, but it's just, it's kind of like a big risk where it's just like, you know, this, this could be it. This could be the next guy. And I'm like, I, are you sure? This guy's like a mid table kind of risk where yeah. we don't know what they're going to do, but you know, you know, under Santo, this system for Tottenham is going to be much different than they've historically seen in the past decade because uh, Santo usually plays his managerial tactic of three in the back, as we've seen yeah. at Wolves. Like, that's his, that's his bread and butter. It's funny because I felt like for Tottenham fans, the reason they were so upset with Mourinho was that it was so boring. But I'm like, Santo is not going to be that different from Mourinho. <laughs> like, he he plays like a back three and he will play very defensive and just hit player hit people on the counterattack, which is good for players like Hyunmin Son who thrived under that with Mourinho. But 
I would say for Tottenham fans, you're not going to expect like very exciting, very flea flowing type of football that you got under Pochettino. That's not coming back anytime soon. Mm-hmm. The thing you might expect to see is maybe more Portuguese players, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, Brian Hill. And then, I mean, I guess at this rate, you might get Ruben Neves. <laughs> if, if it's, I mean, they still have, shows. Uh, oh, the, the, uh, I think it was Jetson Fernandez or. Oh yeah. Jetson or yeah. Jetson Fernandez. Yeah. That man. Uh, I think he was out on loan last season. He and was. He obviously, he's a Portuguese midfielder. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Maybe he might kind of get more playing time under Santo. But um, yeah, the, the Tottenham team is just very weird. And I think uh, Harry Kane, one of the biggest reasons why he decided to kind of like not show up for training is that he felt like he had a gentleman's agreement with Daniel Levy that he wanted to leave. And he's been a loyal servant to the club for like this many years. And he just wants to be like, have this one wish fulfilled that, Hey, I just want to leave. Just let me leave. You Mm -hmm. know? So I don't know. It's going to be so weird to see Harry Kane in another uniform, but I I don't know. I like literally the only team that can afford him is uh, Man city. And that's it. Just no other team can, you know, have that amount of cash, like ready to go. So I'd be very upset if he went to Man city. Just because they're already too stacked. Like, I'd rather he stay at Tottenham and keep him in seventh. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man. But yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with Tottenham. I feel like Tottenham have just been kind of such a wild card and they've been such a staple in the top six. But this season, it might actually be like the first season where they're, um, where they really struggle to kind of be in that top six battle and they just might be just a top half club this season. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on to Leicester City, who have made some pretty decent signings. They've signed Dhaka from RB Salzburg, Ryan Bertrand, and Bubukare Sumare. Um, I hope I probably butchered the name, but signed some three, three, three additions to the squad. The Dhaka signing is pretty is uh is very interesting because he has a lot of pace. Um, essentially, what I've seen from him is just he's at Vardy 2.0. And Ryan Bertrand is a solid, you know. Um, veteran defender in the Premier League from Southampton. He can provide a nice little staple of backup. Um, but yeah, Leicester, I feel like haven't made like too splashy of signings. They just kind of kept it simple and very safe and signing the more promising players and hopefully developing them and then selling them for like millions of dollars essentially after a couple of years. It's almost like a semi-pseudo Borussia Dortmund of the Premier yeah, League. is Exactly. Who, like Leicester has become. And Daka, I'm a little sus about this. I feel like I've seen this story before with Ahmed Musa. If you remember the Nigerian, <laughs> yeah. like 93 oh, pace oh, <laughs> like monster, they signed a, a few seasons ago, but never yeah. really, you know, took off. And mm-hmm. Kalechi Iannaccio at even at one point was kind of like that similar player too, just basically pace. But yeah, then last he turned season, up. yeah, he turned yeah. up. So now they have a third person, Daka. And I really don't know too much about him either. This is, but I mean, that's the thing with uh, Leicester. They kind of bring in kind of the lesser known kind of players besides Tile Mons. And they kind of develop them into a player that yeah, everyone like starts to eventually learn. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. It was like, it was kind of a no name and then he's turned into a solid player for them. I mean, they, they, they've done it. Like, obviously we all know Conte, Rio yeah, Mars, Faraday. Like they've done it year in, year out mm-hmm. all the time. So I trust them. And, you know, Samare, he is also a, uh, center defensive mid from Leo and Leo, as we know, did really well in league Le- uh, last season. They even just beat PSG for the equivalent of like the DFB Pokal or whatever that is, like the, yeah. the league cup in France for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and like they, they won league on last season, right? I believe so. Yeah. I yeah. They wanna, did. Like, Cause it. yeah, Leo, <laughs> because that's the team Ronato Sanchez is on. Yeah. yeah. 
yeah, yeah they did. Yeah. And, you know, oddly enough, uh, former Premier League defender, um, Jose, Jose Font. Jose Font. Yeah, he was on Mr. that team as well. Mr. 30 Pace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh. He was on that team as well. But one thing that I, I will say that's interesting for Leicester is um, James Madison. For Because for some reason, I... It, like, you know, two seasons ago, James Madison was kind of the hottest prospect where, like, every big six club was, like, linked to him. It was either United, Liverpool. I, I feel like every big six club was, like, linked to, like, a $100 million move for James Madison. Now, like, there's no rumors of anyone being linked to James Madison. It's like he's just at Leicester City and that's it. Um, and it's a little bit odd because I still feel like he has that quality. But I definitely think that when it comes to certain games, he doesn't really turn up or he kind of gets – he basically becomes, like, a shell of himself. And I feel like his – career in terms of his potential has kind of hit like the Delhi Ali route where it's kind of like you know tanked a little bit mm-hmm. but it's I feel like this season is going to be really important if he doesn't like turn up now I feel like he'll probably never make that like big money move to like a big club if he doesn't turn up this season I agree and it's kind of weird to see him like last season I remember in particular he was on the bench yeah, like, apparently fully fit and then he just come in for the last 30 minutes I'm like why is he not starting yeah, he did not start a lot last season. I'm like, why is he only coming in for 30 minutes? Like, what's going on? So, <laughs> I mean, just kind of little things like that. Which is like, oh, that's kind of... I almost forgot to even mention Madison. It's just... He also just yeah, kind of goes kind of like, the radar been like a bit part player now. Mm-hmm. But um, on the opposite end, though, we do want to quickly mention that Wes Morgan, the captain, yeah. finally retired. The Jamaican man. The, yeah. From center the back. The GOAT who helped captain the team to win that illustrious Premier League season with Leicester. He's finally retired. And also Christian yeah. Fuchs, yeah. the man who has a lot of nicknames of fantasy teams named after him, is now also uh, moved off from the club. So nice. it's kind of sad yeah. to also see that kind of old Leicester squad from that winning season. I feel season. like now it's like just Schmeichel and Vardy. Yeah. And that's it. Because even Damari Gray, I mean, he was part of that title winning squad, but he's no longer with the team. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think there's only like a couple left, like a couple OGs left from that squad mm-hmm. that are still with the team. Maybe it's like a little all Brighton. Yeah, all Brighton yeah. on the bench, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Leicester, they've, I feel like they're, they're just doing the normal Leicester business, sign low key players and hopefully turn them for like a lot of profit in a couple of seasons. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. And Aston Villa have low key have a pretty exciting transfer window. I feel like they've just increased their squad value and just made it a little bit better um, since last season. They've added Leon Bailey. Um, they've added Leon Bailey. They've added Emiliano Buendia from uh, Norwich City, who was two seasons ago, I thought was a pretty solid player. And I remember Arsenal were linked with um, Mm -hmm. signing him for a couple, uh, I believe this window as well, but I think last summer they were linked with him as well. But then they also signed um, Ashley Young on a free transfer from Inter Milan, which, you know, not the biggest move, but he did he did play for Villa back in the day, um, and he kind of provides like that leadership that of you know winning a Premier League title, won um, the Scudetto with Inter Milan, has won titles everywhere. Pretty much, he's went. So he provides a lot of, of leadership for the Ashton Villa team, which you know you can never go wrong with having a lot of leadership there. But the biggest question in terms of Aston Villa is the movement of Jack Grealish. Um, right now, he's still an Aston Villa player, but there are a lot of reports linking that Man City have basically are trying to be really persuasive about making a $100 million move on the Aston Villa man. If that happens, he would be the most expensive player, most expensive transfer in British football history. So 
that's a lot of money to throw at a 26 year old Jack Grealish. But we obviously we obviously know the quality he has um, in his boots. But for City, I feel like the Jack Grealish move just doesn't make a lot of sense because you already have Phil Foden. You already have, you know, Bernardo Silva. You already have players that can kind of fit the Jack Grealish mold. And it's almost like a luxury pick where it's like the you're just adding, you know, the cream. You're adding a little bit of whipped cream on top of a really nice cake. You know, this is like there's no like adding the cherry on top of a really nice cake. Like, there's no need for that, you know. But you know how City operate. Like they can if they see a good player that they can get, they're just like, why not? And we'll figure out from there. Mm-hmm. I feel like even in this case, just adding whipped cream on top of whipped cream. It's just like, <laughs> why? At this point, Jack Grealish is being linked to Man City and Man City want to get him just so that no one else can get him, really. And I yeah. feel like there's that kind of mentality I feel like Ferguson had and Manchester United where if the team's already good, I mean, still keep stacking it. Like if there's a if there's a spot where it's already stacked, like you already have like Ronaldo, Rooney over here, just add a Berbatov. Like it doesn't matter. Like it's just literally you just keep adding more quality and more quality into the squad, even if it's already set there. And I feel like maybe that's why they're trying to get Jack Realist just because they can. But in my opinion, I don't know why they're not going for Harry Kane first. Like Harry Kane, I feel like it's probably a bigger upgrade to Gabriel Jesus than Jack Realist would be to, you know, Phil Foden or maybe like Riyad Mahrez. Yeah, it's weird because like, yeah, it's weird because Grealish plays. He can play on the left wing, but obviously I feel like his best position is operating as like a, you know, behind the striker. But, you know, it it's weird because like he's not better than Kevin De Bruyne. Like you're not going to give mm-hmm. Jack Grealish Kevin De Bruyne a spot. Like, no way. That's not happening at all. So it is, it's weird because you definitely know, you don't know when he's going to play. And it's almost like for Riyad Mahrez. I feel bad for Riyad Mahrez because I feel like he had his best season with City last season, but now it's basically they're trying to like get someone to take over his spot now. Yeah. And also, it's it's kind of weird that Aston Villa are kind of preparing for this move to actually happen because I feel yeah, like Bendia, yeah, that'd be like the one for one swap. And like, also kudos to Aston Villa for also getting like Leon Bailey. That's yeah. that's an insane one. We're like the same age. I don't know if I'm <laughs> older. That's just a really good transfer. But yeah, a lot of Ash, pace. Ashleaf Young back back at Villa where he had Ashley that old. Yeah, Ashley Old. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to play that right winger position and get that amazing cross in that he used to have. But I mean, this team, they're kind of preparing for like a worst case scenario if Jack Grealish goes. But I mean, if he stays, this team is set. Like they're yeah. once again challenging for Europa League potentially. But yeah. for the Man City situation, this is very much a luxury pick. This gives me Kai Havertz to Chelsea vibes all over again, except double. Because yeah, because he's already a proven player. Mm-hmm. He's a hundred million pound. This is insane. You have to play right. him at that point. Like, yeah. what are you gonna do? It's it's kind of yeah. like, you know, eventually yeah. Havertz had to play. <laughs> so it's like, of course, Grealish has to play too. Yeah, I wonder though if if they do get him, I wonder what it does to Phil Foden's of um, you know growth because he had such an integral part of last season's team. But mm-hmm. you know, if you buy someone for hundred million, you can't just leave him on the bench, as Tyler said, for the whole season and just only bring him on as like bit part you know, as part of like a bit part season, but I don't know. We'll see what happens with, uh, with Jack Grealish as we, as we said, cause we keep saying August 2nd, we're recording. So anything could change within these like next, next couple of weeks. But, um, Everton, I will move on, have had a really, really like 
questioning window because they lost obviously Carlo Ancelotti he went back to Real Madrid when the opportunity came back to go to Real Madrid he didn't uh he couldn't decline it he went back and joined the old club that he was there with before but Everton have brought um a very controversial manager managerial um hire in a sense that if you're watching the video podcast, you can, you can see Tyler's reaction, but former Liverpool legend manager Rafa Benitez won the Champions League with them, is now the Everton manager on the opposite side of the Merseyside. Um, very, very weird. I, I Tyler, as a Liverpool fan, how do you feel about Benitez going over to the, I guess, as you would say, the blue side to Everton? This is like as if Kirby Smart went to Georgia Tech to coach their <laughs> team. Like, what the heck? I'll I'll get it. Maybe, you know, Benitez has been kind of roaming around. He was at Newcastle recently and, you know, I mean, he's just trying to get the gig, but maybe just really like to say that Liverpool just want to come back and that was just the closest gig you can get to it. Not Tramier <laughs> Rovers, but just Everton. But what the heck? <laughs> this is no, dude. What? Are Liverpool fans angry? I, I'm just confused. I mean, you got to respect him, but it's just like, I don't know. If they're gonna you feel like him? it's like Mourinho is like Mourinho esque when he went to United when he was a Chelsea former Chelsea boss. No, this is something you expect Mourinho to do. That's the thing. <laughs> but like for Rafa, like he still likes Liverpool. That's the thing. Yeah, it's just like it's a bit odd, isn't it? It's so weird. I, I feel like he's literally just there just to to get a paycheck. Maybe yeah, to coach get more. Paid, coach more, and it's a decent squad. You know, you have to admit they have some decent players, but. Man, at what cost? What the heck? <laughs> it's, it's like Tyler said. It's a bit weird. Like it's going to be very weird in the first game of the season, seeing him in a decked out in like blue Everton, uh, you know, coaching attire and everything. So it's going to be a weird one to see. But they've had a very weird transfer window because they brought in Andros Townsend, obviously from Crystal Palace. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have with the with the squad. But then they've also brought in Damari Gray, who, as we said at one point, was part of Leicester, had all this potential, didn't really like come up in the Leicester ranks and they eventually sold him to Leverkusen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how well he performed at Leverkusen because I didn't watch Bayern, but I, I don't know if Tyler, if you, if you could, no, I didn't. if you had an insight <laughs> on how he performed, but yeah, they, they brought him back. Maybe he can make maybe make some magic magic again for Everton, maybe rekindle some of that form in the Premier League, but they did lose um, Bernard. Bernard has left the club as well um, for Everton. No. I he, he didn't perform the best, but like, you know, he's solid as is. But the biggest one um, is James Rodriguez. Um, in reports, he has stated that he doesn't know where he's going to be playing. Um, it seems like the main reason he wanted to come to Everton was to link up with Carlo Ancelotti again, the manager he thrived under. Real Madrid have shown no interest in bringing James back. But I don't know. James is a weird one because I feel like Rafa Benitez could get the best out of James. But I feel like the way Benitez plays wouldn't really suit James at all because I feel like James at this point in his career he doesn't have a lot of pace he was never like the most like athletically gifted in terms of he was never going to run past people he was just obviously very technically gifted with the left foot Um, but I feel like he needs to be in a system where he's going to give him he's going to be given that freedom to kind of do whatever he wants and roam around and not really be expected to put in a lot of effort on the defensive side but Rafa the way he plays is very defensive and you know everyone playing together as a team. So I don't know what we're going to see with James Rodriguez this season. Mm. Yeah, Rafa Benitez, for what I've seen, is kind of more conservative in terms of his coaching. Mm-hmm. Not to the level of, you know, Mourinho, but, <laughs> you know, I, I still trust 
if say you needed a team to not get relegated, you know, you got like Big Sam, but then, you know, Rafa Benitez, he's going to do a little bit more than that and make Newcastle look way better than they are. And yeah. Everton, I feel like they've always been that, that cusp, you know, where it's just like they're challenging for Europa League and then you just yeah. never get it. Hey, they, were, they were title contenders for like three weeks. Yeah, that was disgusting. But I mean, <laughs> I, maybe with Rafa at the helm, they will maybe event. Uh, it pains me to say this, so like maybe they might get Europa League, but you know that's also dependent on if certain teams like Aston Villa keep Grealish. Oh, wow. so you actually have high hopes for Everton? I don't. I don't. I, don't I have really high, high hopes hope for Rafa. For... Okay. <laughs> oh, but, former boss, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happened happened to Everton. And lastly, we have Wolves. Um, obviously, as we mentioned, Santo is out, and they brought in um, former manager from Benfica, Bruno Lag. I hope I'm saying the last name correctly, but bringing him in, they've also brought in um, for on loan from Barcelona, Francisco uh, Trincao uh, from Barcelona, 21 year old, I believe winger um, mm-hmm. for, for Barcelona. We don't know what we're really going to see from him because I feel like if you're 21 years old and Barcelona are loaning you out, the chances are that Barcelona feel like you're just not good enough for Barcelona, but obviously Barcelona is another level of club, but I I'm excited to see it's another Portuguese player for the Wolves um, Portuguese Academy 2.0, but they've lost a couple of big players. Rui Patricio, their main goalie for the past couple of seasons in the Premier League, has left the club and joined Mourinho, another Portuguese manager in Roma. Uh, so he's now out in the, the city. Ah, and they've also lost Ruben Vin- Vin- Vinagra. Yeah, Vinagra um, lost him as well. So I don't know Wolves. I feel like they lost a lot of quality here. They lost a really quality coach. They lost a really quality goalkeeper. Um, it is good that they're getting Raul Jimenez. He has been back. He has been playing, which is really good news after you know he, him fracturing his skull last season. But I don't know. I, I I'm not too hot on Wolves having a really like really really good season this year. I feel like they're going to struggle a little bit this season. Yeah, especially under a new coach. Although he's been from from Benfica, so it's kind of like if you want yeah. the closest thing to Santo. Probably would be Log and Trincao, the you know Barcelona prospect. He is a bit of a risk, but you know it could be the right move. I don't know if he's going to take over for you know Adama Traore's side, but, yeah, or, or, the, but they already have good wingers. They have Daniel Podence. Um, who I'm forgetting the other one? Daniel Podence and oh, why is the name escaping me? Some other Portuguese is, man, probably. Who oh, is, uh, uh, not Pedro. It's uh. uh Neto, Neto. Oh, Pedro Neto, yeah. yeah Pedro, Pedro Neto, Neto. yeah. Mm-hmm. They already have really good quality, like fast wingers already. So I guess Trent Cow and then obviously the big man, Traore. Um, so Trent Cow is just going to add a little bit more depth up front. But yeah, I feel like Wolves, and especially with Ruben Neves kind of being linked maybe to Manchester United and also linked to other clubs, I feel like he could potentially be on his way out. So that would be a big miss for Wolves because he's been a kind of a key player for them as well. So I don't know, Wolves... I feel like they're going to struggle a little bit this season. Mm-hmm. I think the main thing is just the psyche of uh, Ro Jimenez because he literally fractured yeah. his skull. How do you mentally yeah. recover? It's like If that were yeah. me, I'd be scared to do a header. Mm-hmm. I'd be scared to really dive into things. But I mean, these yeah. are professional players that kind of put their bodies on the line all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, I pull a muscle. I'm just like, I'm not going to kick in a ball for like three months. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it's, um, I don't know, for him, he literally is coming back from such a Horrific injury. Yeah, scary so injury, yeah. We don't know if he's going to be the same. He was such a piece of glue in terms of that front Yeah, he was attack. so good. Like, literally, when he went out, the Wolves struggled so much. Mm-hmm. They, they could are, not find someone. 
Yeah, Fabio Silva, a young 18-year-old, could not score the goals for him. Mm-hmm. They were just on a dolphin dive down to the bottom half of the table. But, <laughs> you know, they survived. Like, that's, yeah. that's the way to say it. They survived. But, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see if this season they can kind of rebound and make it back to mid-table, kind of like where Leeds yeah. would probably be. Yeah. Um, and lastly, we have um, – we mentioned some of the bigger managerial changes, but one last one is former Arsenal, part of the Invincible squad, legend – legendary midfielder for France and Arsenal, Patrick Vieira is now the new Crystal Palace manager taking over for Roy Hodgson, big Roy, big Roy Hodgson right there. Um, yeah, Patrick Vieira, now the new manager of Crystal Palace. He, he was a former manager in the MLS, but in, in MLS, and he didn't have a very hot, um, hot managerial stay um, in MLS. So, I don't know, Patrick Vieira. This is this could be something that it sounds good on paper, but then might turn into a complete dumpster fire in the middle of the season once we get to it. Hmm. I don't want to hint at what kind of section we're going into <laughs> later, but let's just say, you know, his stint at NYCFC was not that great. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know if going to another team you're going to do much better if you did poorly in a lesser league. So, yeah. Uh, Crystal Palace. Not too confident about that one, but you know yeah. we'll go into that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but finally, we're moving on to I guess kind of an exciting part of the episode is our relegation and top six finishes. Um, so obviously we're gonna start off with the top six. I'll give my list right now. I have Man City first. If they sign Harry Kane, I think it's pretty much a given that they will win the Premier League. It's just too much talent for them. But if they don't sign Harry Kane. There's still a little bit of uh, predictability there. Um, I have for second, Manchester United. I think the signings they made have been solid, have improved the squad immensely. And I think if they sign that holding midfielder, I think they're legitimately in you know in talks to win the title. They're like legitimate title contenders. And then after that, in third place, I have Liverpool. I think... You know, last season was an anomaly. I think Jurgen Klopp is going to have this squad firing again. I think Salah and Mane are going to rekindle that magic. Um, I don't know so much about Firmino, but for sure, I think Salah and Mane are going to have a really solid um, season. And I think they're going to have a decent midfield. Virgil van Dijk, Joe Gomez coming back is big news. And then finally, um, for fourth place, I actually have Chelsea. I think Chelsea are going to have... They're not going to have the season everyone is thinking that they're going to have. I think that I Tuchel... In his past previous managements, I just haven't seen him put together a very solid, well, solid, like entire season with any team. I feel like he always has hiccups and always has like this big major collapse in one of these tournaments or something that happens. So because of that and always because of Chelsea's like kind of like seesawing form of like one one season, they're very good. One season, they're really bad. It's just never they're never balanced. I feel like um, they're going to end up finishing in fourth place. And then I have Arsenal actually finishing fifth. I think Mikel Arteta might actually get um, Arsenal finished in a very decent position. I like their youth talent. I like um, some of the signings they made. So I think Arsenal finished fifth. And I think Leicester, unfortunately, they'll be solid. But I feel like they're going to collapse again and they'll finish in sixth. I, I just think that the league now is a little bit way too top-heavy for Leicester to have like a, a really, I, I would say, a really good chance to finish in the top four. I think it's just too top heavy at this point for them to compete anymore with the top four. Hmm. It's a pretty solid top six. And <laughs> I mean, as yes, basically kind of hinted at too, like this season, I feel like is one of the more top heavy seasons we've seen in the past several seasons as well, where it's mm-hmm. like the top teams in the league are really good. Like they're just yeah. all 
significantly. At least on paper. On paper, anything yes. Happen, anything can happen <laughs> with the season, but on paper, every the top four teams look really solid. Mm-hmm. And to kind of go into my top four, four first, I would say, unfortunately, I, I think it's going to be Man City. They win the league again with or without Harry Kane just because of that defense. It's just insane with that Ruben Diaz addition from last <laughs> season. If they continue that, like who knows? And they have so much depth. And also that attack itself as well. Sorry, there was like a big noise that came and scared the crap out of me. I think someone was like mowing the lawn or something. So no, excuse no, the good. jump scare right there. <laughs> you scared me just looking at you. But but yes, you had City. Sorry to interrupt your no, top six good. predictions. So you had but, City up front. Yep. And then I think their their attack and midfield are just going to get better. They're just going to develop more. Although you got, you know, aging players like Fernandinho and Gundogan. Yeah. You still also have players that are still kind of rising up in their prime like De Bruyne and Sterling both in their primes. So, I I mean, as long as no injuries happen, like, it's pretty solid. Meanwhile, for Liverpool, I put them in second. And I think it's because I'm not too confident about Van Dyke and Joe Gomez coming straight back in after basically both being out for, like, an entire season and then just coming straight back in 100%. I think it might take a few games. And based on the last few seasons... Every game matters. Like you can miss the title yeah. from just a few points, even at times, maybe even goal difference. Yeah. So I think this season, although Liverpool had a really good ending last season, going basically 7 0 and then just kind of sweeping through, getting all wins and then sneaking back in the top four to get Champions League again, it's going to be some good momentum to bring, but this could be momentum that these two players, Joe Gomez and Van Dyke, did not have like this is everyone else had it but you know these two are kind of just getting kind of thrown back into the fire mm-hmm. and also as we kind of mentioned as well that goal scoring or lack of goal scoring as well wasn't really addressed in the summer transfer window maybe there's yeah. a lot more hope that you know they'll rebound Mane, Salah and Firmino maybe Diogo Jota and you know my man Minamino might get some goals here and there and then Oxlade <laughs> Chamberlain kind of quoted himself he's like I'll get you some goals don't worry He'll he has to it. play. He has to play, though, so we have to get <laughs> him in somehow. But I think, uh, you know, that's my only question marks. And if you want to win a title, you shouldn't have any question marks. It should be like, all right, this is like yeah. almost like set in, stone. Of set in stone. You can write that in pen instead of a pencil right now. But that's my only thing for Liverpool. But I think they're good enough from just being one of the more experienced teams compared to the others I'm about to name just from the past several seasons that they can, you know, ward them off and then gets a close second. But for third, I have, I have Chelsea. I do have Chelsea because this team, I kind of wrote them off last season. I didn't think they could do that well because this was their first season with their kind of main strike force up top with Timo Werner and Kai Havertz together. And then at halfway in the season, they bring in Tuchel. And, you know, Pulisic also just kind of was in and out of the squad. I was like, what is going on? This team... Very big lack of consistency, and then it's just it was kind of weird kind of identity that they tried to find. And then under Tuchel, though, they kind of found it. They had a lot better defense. They got their goal scoring form. Like Timo Warner, somehow, some way, kind of fake it till he make it, and then yeah, they made it to a Champions League final and won. <laughs> so I mean, who knows what could happen this season yeah. with a full season under Tuchel and a whole second season under all these players. There's no way a sophomore slump, in my opinion, could be like hitting all players. But you know, n- never know. This is a team historically that had like Roberto Di Matteo win the Champions League one season, and the next season he's like sacked. 
So, <laughs> I mean, those kind of question marks are all there, but it's just there's so many good players on the squad that are also so young and going to keep growing that I can't see them dropping anymore. So, and under Tuchel so far, I've only seen good things. So, I, mm-hmm. I just based on the data and just looking at that that trend, I have to keep him in third. And then fourth, mm-hmm. this one was really hard. I, I feel like Manchester United, I put them in fourth. I feel like it could be a flip-flop between them, Chelsea, even at Liverpool at times. But kind of Yush talked me into it, where it's like they don't have the CDM. They don't have <laughs> that kind of fluidity yet. And then right now, it is Edison Cavani still up top. And, you know, they do have a little rotation of Martial potentially and Mason Greenwood. But, you know, it's, it's a little bit more fragile than I might think. And who knows, maybe Bruno Fernandes might not have the same production next season as he did in that breakout couple seasons. But I, I mean, I feel like this team is very promising and they're still on the rise and they brought in more world-class players. So it was hard for them, hard for me to say that they would do worse this season compared yeah. to last season when they got second, even though they improved the squad significantly. Mm-hmm. But it's just, I feel like everyone else around them too also improved or at least brought back some players from injury, yeah. like Liverpool's yeah, sake. So, yeah. I mean, this this is so tight, but yeah. maybe it might be my bias. It's, very, put, it's a very, very tight top four. Like mine was pretty... I, I feel like even for mine, I feel like it was very solid. But yeah, I agree with you. Top, the top four is going to be a very tight race. Mm-hmm. So maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, he might not do as well in the Premier League this season. But I feel like there's a trophy in him. Maybe it might be Europa League, but I mean, a trophy is a trophy for <laughs> United, which is kind of sad to say. <laughs> but y'all have been deprived. It's kind of like Tottenham situation, but not as yeah, bad. It's been um, the last trophy they won was Mourinho's first season. So that's 17-18. 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, 21. So it's been four seasons without a trophy. Four seasons. That's a lot for a club like Manchester United to go mm-hmm. without a trophy. They're too big. They had the ugly, fake trouble with Mourinho, but I feel like that's like the <laughs> last thing I can remember. But Mickey Mouse trouble. <laughs> there we go. But but your uh, your final two to my round final out the top two six to round out the top six. I got I got Leicester in fifth. I Ooh. I feel like Leicester. It's a broken record. Rodgers. He's trying to sneak into the big boys club. Always sneaking in, but never can get in. He's just always the one, the the bouncer stops in the group. It's just like, you know, you're not coming into this bar. You're going to stay fit. (laughs) He literally literally failed in the last few weeks, last season. He fumbled the bag twice in two seasons in a row. Exactly. How is that possible? You know, one's one's a fluke, two's a coincidence, three's a fact. And I feel like based on what I've seen from him also at Liverpool, it's just it's gonna happen. And <laughs> it's just he's just gonna like kind of flop out a little bit. And also that Leicester squad, although they did win the FA Cup, they're just not as good as just those top four. Yeah. So I think it's gonna be fifth. At and I still think they have just a little bit enough to edge out who I put in sixth, which is Arsenal. And <laughs> Arsenal is really they close. They return so. to European football. They do. I think they finally do. I feel like they have enough time under Arteta to kind of get his his imagination yeah. of what he wanted to bring I, to the club. I and, actually feel like this might be like if Arteta doesn't, I guess, showcase like a lot of improvement this season, it might actually be like his last season at the club because I feel like he's I, been here yeah. for a while now. I feel like he's been here for a while. <laughs> like, yeah. mate. Under Unai, I feel like that was like eons ago. I was like, man, I was still yeah. at UGA at that time. But <laughs> my gosh, at, yeah, at this point, I feel like this is a make or break season for Arteta. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pressure on him. And it's ironically enough on the shoulders of a lot of youth players. You got Bakayo, or yeah, you got Saka, you got 
uh, ML Smith Rowe. You got now Ben White. Kind of roasted him, but I mean, remember having last season I roasted Ruben Diaz, so who knows? Ben White might actually be insane. But <laughs> it's going to be really hard for a team to kind of really take a big step. And under Arteta, you know, this is still one of his very first <laughs> managerial stints. Yeah. So he doesn't even know what the playbook is. It's just his own kind of, you know, playing by ear, his own way of doing it. So we don't know if yeah. it's going to be working, but I still think it'd be better than Tottenham, even though Tottenham, I feel like have a lot more uh, better players. And mm-hmm. Leeds, I feel like is also a very close kind of call as well. But yeah, I didn't really see too much from that summer transfer window to really help boost them up. Yeah. So I still have Arsenal right there at six, but it's a really mm-hmm. close one this season. Like last season yeah. was like crazy. West Ham sneaking in somehow. Yeah. But this season is a pretty top heavy one and almost just as unpredictable. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with um, all of those. Um, and then finally, like real quickly on who's going to get relegated. I know Tyler and I, we were talking before the show that the relegation battle this season is just uh in a weird way, kind of clear cut, but also not clear cut at the same time. It's just a little bit more up in the air. But for me, I'm going with um, the newly promoted, two of the newly promoted sides, Brentford and Norwich City. And then I'm actually throwing in Brighton. And Brighton may sound a little bit puzzling for some of the listeners because they've been a main staple in the Premier League for, I would say, four seasons now. But if you notice last year, they were kind of teetering in the two seasons before that, even with Graham Potter, they have been teetering in the relegation battle for a majority of the season, but they always find a way to kind of like sneak their way out of it. But last season, they did struggle to score a ton of goals and win matches. They That was the thing. They just could not win games for the life of them. And I don't know. I know Graham Parters is a very good offensive-minded coach. You know, he believes in the expected goal philosophy. They are very good in that in terms of creating chances. But I don't know. I feel like Brighton have been kind of teetering in that relegation battle a little bit too closely for the past couple of seasons that I think finally this season it might they might actually, you know, get caught up in it and they might not be able to get out. So that's why I'm having Brighton as the final team to kind of get relegated this season. My, I might look really stupid at the end of the season for saying that, but um, preseason wise, I think I think Brighton might uh, are going to fall in there. Hmm. And for my three, we kind of can dive into some of the similarities but i also have two of the nearly promoted sides norwich city which it's a given since they always just yeah. go up and then go straight back down yeah. that's just that's just they're what it yo-yo. is they're a yo-yo they're a yo-yo team that you know they're they're gonna just come straight back up in like a couple seasons yeah. with like almost the same players like timo pookie <laughs> you know todd cantwell they're kind of still on the same team all like same squad that was previously yeah. relegated just a couple they seasons ago Aaron's too Mm-hmm. all of them are still there and they're just all coming back so yeah they're just gonna go straight back down but uh brentford that is the second team that also happened the list that yes also has they're a team that was knocking on the door for the premier league promotion cycle in the past couple seasons like they just got third uh, a couple times just fell out of the playoffs in the first time but last season they finally made it through and they have one of their key players, Ivan Tony. I'm very interested to see how this player does because he had 33 goals and 10 assists last season in the championship. And I feel like for these players in the championship, they're either very boom or bust in terms of whether you were not. Yeah, and like that, the key kind of indicators, or not the key indicators, but like the key kind of examples I always kind of look at are like Timo Puki and like Diogo Jota. Where like Diogo Jota, he did really well in the championship with Wolves you know, I mean, he's one of the top goal scorers. And even for Liverpool right now, he's kind of still kicking that train going. 
But Timo Puki, he had like a quick reign. Like he kind of tricked yeah. me too. Where it's just like, man, he's he the real good. deal. And then, and then it's off. like, psych. He's actually yeah. not. And, you know, Ivan Tony, there's a lot of players that kind of play into the fact that, uh, you know, championship is not as high quality of teams and players, obviously. And that may be sneakily why some players are getting these kind of statistics and accolades as they do have. And Ivan Tony might be one of them. And I'm kind of sneaking and leaning towards that for Ivan Tony just because in terms of just technical ability and just that kind of flair that I've seen from certain players, it's just, he kind of, not that interesting. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? He might prove me wrong, but yeah, a lot is on his shoulders in terms of just mm-hmm. getting goals. And Brentford was one of the top scoring teams last season in the championship. That'll be very interesting to see how they do. The bees, yeah. the bees are finally up. Yeah, so, and we'll well, I guess like the one final team that got promoted that we haven't mentioned of getting relegated is Watford. We just feel like the the Watford experience is not going to. Um, get them relegated, they're going to find a way because for the most part, they had the same squad. They still got Troy Deeney. Um, they have Danny Rose now. They have Joshua King. They signed from Everton. They also have uh, Isman Lassar, um, who obviously was very heavily linked to some bigger Premier League teams when they got relegated, but they managed to keep him. And he's still a very exciting prospect um, for Watford. So mm-hmm. Watford still have a very solid squad of um, Premier League players that have proven themselves in the Premier League um, side of the business. Yeah, and proven as well after they sack four managers in one season, like they somehow still managed to stay through. And then just one yeah. little blip in those couple seasons ago where they just accidentally went down. But I feel like Watford is here to stay. I mean, they still have, as you just said, some of the key players. And also Troy Deeney, the leader, is also still there too. So yeah. like those kind of leaders are really key in these kind of relegation battles. Mm-hmm. But my last team that I that I picked to get relegated, I feel like I pick every season, is Crystal Palace. <laughs> yes. It might be this inner hatred for uh, Crystal Palace, but I, I have a legit reason this year. I think it's because Roy Hodgson, he is just kind of like a magic man. I don't know how or how, like, or why or what he's doing that kept Crystal Palace kind of trucking. But yeah. he, he found a way to keep this team in the, in the league and found a way to motivate them to kind of scrape by and get those those dubs and those draws when they needed to as quickly as possible. And then afterwards yeah. it's like, all right, we're safe. And they just kind of tank. I feel like that's yeah. usually what they do. Yeah. But once they get like, once they get like 35, 40 points, they're like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, it's, I'm like done. it's like, we can just senioritis. And <laughs> that's actually really impressive. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like that's insane. And Roy Hodgson has been doing this for several seasons now. He's like a scam artist. <laughs> he's just, I don't know how he's doing this, but he, he retired. He's an old man. This man, it's like in the seventies. I believe, and he's finally retired. So, in comes Patrick Vieira. I. This is a very similar situation to Frank DeBoer when he went from, <laughs> as like, Jose Mourinho said, um, six <laughs> matches, zero goals, zero wins, the worst manager in the Premier League. <laughs> like garbage in, garbage out. Like this is literally that situation. Like I don't, I don't trust Vieira. Like this is not the same kind of team and same situation that NYCFC even had because they had David Villa at that time. Yeah, and they were one of the top teams, and he still meh. So I, I don't really trust in uh, this Crystal Palace side, and also and and as a um, towards ACO at the last later half of last season, so he's not even going to be available for um, most of this season. I think he might actually be out for the whole season. He was a big, um, exciting youth prospect or um, youth talent that was uh, developing really well um, with Crystal Palace last season, mm-hmm. and the main men. That we even mentioned Zaha. Yet. Zaha. 
they're one Zaha injury away from just tanking. Like this is yeah, worse than like they don't have Eminence. Townsend anymore. They, they don't have Townsend. Townsend. So, I mean, Benteke and like Roy Hodgson, <laughs> to his credit, was able to get Benteke to score some bangers for Crystal Palace <laughs> just out of nowhere. But <laughs> what are they going to do if Zaha goes down? Like they're they're so heavy, heavily reliant on Zaha too. It's just like yeah, it's so fragile that I feel like any season it could be their season where they go drop. And I mean, it could be this one. I don't yeah. know how many amount of cheerleaders can keep them in that Premier League, but <laughs> they need the Alan Pardew dance. Yeah, the Alan Pardew the dance. Like it's it's not looking great in terms of just <laughs> the fragileness of just the team. So yeah. I I once again will say Crystal Palace. I think their luck might finally end, and they will pay for Cristian Bull. Nice. So we're going to see finally Crystal Palace getting relegated after like so many years in the Premier League. But I'll be right eventually. We'll, yeah. <laughs> Well, well, yeah. Tyler will eventually hit. He'll he'll hit on one of these um one of these pitches eventually. But um, our final segment, which is kind of just a fun segment, we kind of chucked in here real quickly. Um, kind of the rating the kits, but um, the way we're gonna do it is we're gonna rate the best home and away kits, and then the worst or the ugliest home and away kits. So I'll start off with my best home kits i think it's a tie between arsenal and manchester united um i guess i could throw man united in there because i'm biased but this is the first season with the new sponsorship um with team viewer instead of chevrolet and i think a lot of people have said like the jersey looks a little too bland a little too simple but i think um i kind of like the look of it when you actually see it on on the field and on the pitch because it's definitely a lot more of a classic look with the white uh, with the white little band going around the arms, the white little collar, um, and the little simple team viewer logo. I, I like the simpleness of it, but I, I think I have to give the side edge to Arsenal. I really like Arsenal's design that Adidas have put out. I think Arsenal have had really, really good kits ever since they switched over to Adidas, and I think this home one is no exception. So I have to. I think I would give the edge to Arsenal's home kit uh, for the best home jersey in the Premier League. Hmm. I, I will have to say I'm on that, that train of Man U's home jersey looking a little stock <laughs> looking like they kind of whipped it out from the u19 <laughs> recreational league i was like what the heck is this but i mean to all of our listeners listening on the audio and even on the video too i guess you might have to pull google for this because it's gonna be a little if you don't know what the jerseys look like yet it's gonna be like uh kind of a weird segment but mm-hmm. for me you can kind of imagine it i would say my best home kit is Tottenham's, in my opinion, just because yeah. I want you to imagine just like a plain white T-shirt. And then you put the the Tottenham logo, the Nike badge, and then I forgot what their sponsorship is, but it's just, just that. It literally is just like almost like a plain white shirt and just that. Literally, I feel like Tottenham historically have always done something where they just added just a little bit of something, like a weird collar, or like some weird oh, kind yeah, of line. Yeah. Yes, that's their uh, sponsorship. And they just added like mm-hmm. just one little thing that just adds onto the jersey, just makes it a little ugly. It's just, and you just can't unsee it. It's like having like a white bed sheet and just having like one stain in the middle. It's just like, oh gosh. And Tottenham, they finally just went pure white. It's just, it's just a clean jersey. And I'm like, you know what? This is one of the cleanest jerseys I've seen since Gareth Bale's jersey during his final season when they had like HP on the jersey for the main sponsorship. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's pretty clean. But this one, <laughs> I'm like, man, it'd be it'd be sad to play this in dirt. Like, this is one of those ones. Oh, where yeah. it's like, ooh, this is just so clean. So, I think that one. This is, usually I am a little bit more of like the, you know, kind of more fiery jerseys. Like right now, I'm wearing like a Portland Thorns jersey, and you can see like some of the roses <laughs> imprinted on yeah. it. But 
I mean, for this one, I was like, man, that Tottenham one just looks clean. Mm. Okay. Looks fresh. Mr. Mr. Clean. Right. Yeah. I, I guess like I, I can see that. I, for me, I just thought it was a little too bland and since it's just a pure white jersey. But, you know, I guess I can I can I can give credit to like, you know, having a clean white kit is like always very nice to have and as an arsenal as just to, to, to have in terms of your jersey kit collection. So mm-hmm. um, I can I can see that. I can see that. And for me, for best away kit. Um, it's a tie between Liverpool and Norwich. I think Norwich is a weight kit with the nice little blue neon, like dark glow in the dark type thing they've got going on. I really enjoy that. But um, for me, I have to give, and I know it hurts my heart, but I have to give the the edge towards Liverpool because I really, really like the little mint. The way it's just like that that color, it's like almost a cream color they have as like the base. And then they have on the collar, like that nice little green, like mint type of like accent going on. That just is so good. Um yeah, I think Nike have kind of hit the hit the hit the Liverpool jerseys out of the park um, since they signed that new deal. They've they, these jerseys have been really good. Um, I, I really really like that um, Liverpool away jersey. It's just a nice, very clean, just super really good jersey that you could honestly wear casually, like as a nice like even like a casually like out, and people wouldn't really like, question. It wouldn't look too like out of the blue, like weird. Um, it's just such a good kit. I just really like the way the ca- colors all work together and everything. It was it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I don't want to spoil my pick, but <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> but my honorable mentions, I have to say, Tottenham once again. I really yeah, like they have this a, season. They have a nice one. They that that purple, like really weird fusion thing they got going on. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. It it look it reminds me of uh, the Tottenham away kit for this upcoming season. It's it reminds me of the iPad like default oh wallpapers wallpaper, where you get a bunch of paint that's like kind of more dark. And then you kind of just like mix them together, but they're not like mixed together like poop brown yet. It's just like they're still liquid state and they're just kind of like floating around and then you just splatter onto a canvas. And that's mm-hmm. what Tottenham's away kit is. And then also I have to say Arsenal's away kit looks pretty clean as well. I like how they brought back the yeah. actual cannon back for the logo. Yeah. I, like, I was going to throw, I, I guess forgot my, I forgot my, I was going to throw in real quickly like Manchester United's away kit. Like the, I really like that one. I will. I, I like that one too. It reminds yeah. me of the IX away kit from last season as well. Yeah. And that's actually a good segue because my best away kit jersey this season is also the Liverpool away kit. And it reminds me a lot of Roma's away kit last season where a lot of people oh, are kind yeah, of calling them out. They're like, they're like, you guys just copy paste it. I'm like, ah, this, this kind of cream color and the collar, I mean, it's kind of similar, but I mean, it's pretty different. You don't have like a Hyundai or Hyundai kind of logo on the butt on the backside of it. It's like, oh, that's so ugly. But for Liverpool, I was like, oh, thank goodness. They made something that looks like, as you said, that's like you can almost get away with wearing that out and then people not realizing it's a jersey. You can, yeah. like, that's kind of my favorite. So it's like, oh, it's it's collared. Like, you can wear it and then people won't roast you for wearing a jersey to a particular event. It's like, it looks clean enough. Just yeah, to like, wear exactly. out. And it's a lot different. Like, I don't like when every jersey, you know, kind of looks like a jersey that is kind of uniform across the board. If it's like, you know, striped, for a home, I hope the away is not striped either. And mm-hmm. like, if you look at the Liverpool jersey for home for this season, it's kind of like diagonal lightning bolts just across. It's kind of weird, but it's a little different. But this away kit just knocked out the park. I'm like, ooh, I'm yeah. already, get, I'm already ordering one. It's <laughs> <laughs> insane. Yeah. No, I, I don't blame you. If I was a Liverpool fan, I would definitely be on top of that train and getting that one because that one is just a really nice looking, mm-hmm. like very clean looking kit. So. I agree with that one. Now, moving on, I guess, quickly to our ugliest kits. Uh-huh. Uh, for me, ugliest home one, I have to go Man City. I just do not like it. I think 
um, all the comparisons I've seen is that it literally looks like a gym, uh, Under Armour gym shirt that you would wear underneath your normal clothes because it's so, there's just nothing like that sticks out with that jersey. It's just the collar's super thin. It's kind of like a yeah. V-necking collar. Um, the material looks like it's almost like a pajama, like you would just wear it to sleep with. So, I don't know. I think their away kit is a lot better, but their home kit, eh, it's just not doing it for me. It just looks too much like a, almost like an Under Armour shirt that you would wear underneath your clothes rather than like a jersey. No, I, I totally agree. Like that collar, like what what happened? Like, why is it so yeah. thin? Like, it looks like... <laughs> like a napkin yeah <laughs> like like why what the heck like puma it kinda... it, I, you know it, it would have like elevated if they added like maybe a white collar accent to it like a white accent to compliment yeah, but like but like that collar is way too thin it's just straight up blends in with everything or at least some structural like rigidity to it or like integrity yeah. to it i'm just like what why does it look like <laughs> one of those fake jerseys you'd get at like a supermarket <laughs> it's like what is that yeah that what puma Jeez, and yeah, it's that's ironic that I'm roasting it because like it's kind of more plain, but it's just this is the difference between like a plain with good quality versus a plain with like bad design build. It's just like it's, yeah, you it just looks to, off. It just looks off. Like you just have to see if your eyes like just if you Google it, you'd be like ah. Oh. But for my ugliest home jersey, Nike, please cover your ears and don't roast me for this. But I have to say Chelsea. Like this, this kit is just so random. Like I, it, it's. <laughs> It's very much like Barcelona's home kit where it's just like, which design pattern do we use? Like of the three. Yeah. And then they just said, yes. It's just like, <laughs> they put all three. I'm like, what is going on? This is like someone tripping and <laughs> just put another jersey. I'm just like, what? Like, this is your home kit. This is the kit you're going to be like representing your team with. And it just looks like. So like odd hot Jake, I don't think it's that bad. I don't think it's that bad. <laughs> But that could be me. At least it's like, I'm so glad that the teams have decided to like stop doing the two tone of like, you know, the two tone jersey. Oh, where it's yeah, like yeah. one color on top and then like it blends in with the pants at the bottom. I hated mm-hmm. those. Yeah, it kind of sucks if uh, you wanted just to wear that kind of two tone shirt, but then with the pants, it's like, well, I guess I got to wear another pair of pants that's the same color as what it's going <laughs> to be fading into. So, you know, it kind of limits your options. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not good with that picnic kind of blanket kind of pattern for me mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm sorry yeah. nike yeah but that, that's it i i don't know i i i don't think it's that bad but you know i definitely see like a lot of like where where everyone's going the patterns do seem very random with it um but for me my ugliest away kit um has to be it was really tough because i feel like the away kits compared to the home kits i feel like there are a lot better away kits than there were home kits um in terms of just quality of it looking good but for me if i had to pick the ugliest one have to be west ham i think it's a little um, I wouldn't even say it's like particularly really bad. It's just, it has like that weird, like blue, light blue accents of bars going on top. Um, so to me, that kind of throws me off a little bit and it just doesn't look like your normal West Ham, like kind of kit you would think of in a weird way. It just seems like they just added blue, just to add blue to it. Cause why not? <laughs> yeah. And I agree with Yash too. Like there are a lot of awakens this season that I thought were not bad. Like it's just, there yeah. weren't anyone that stuck as like, Oh, that's, Ew, terrible. That's, that's, uh, that's ugly. But I would say there's just one little thing that kind of just kind of like grinds my gears or just like kind of just like pushes me the wrong way. It's just like if a away kit looks similar to like another team's away kit or like another team's home kit or something like that, where it's like you picture that jersey, it's like that. That's a Southampton jersey. And that's what I see of Everton. Their away oh, kit literally okay. looks like an away kit for Southampton. I'm just like, what the? I feel okay. like they copy pasted the homework. 
right. <laughs> just yeah. change no, a little I see bit. that. I see that. You know, it's just like a black jersey and then like a red diagonal stripe across. I was like, that's that's some Southampton level stuff right there. Yeah. And it's like a Hummel kit. I don't know. Yeah, they, Hummel's a new sponsor, I feel like, for a lot of teams now. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen that everywhere. They're doing some big th- Like, they had a really good jersey. Wait, maybe that's why. They're, they're also the sponsor for uh, uh, Southampton. So, yeah. <laughs> that kind of makes sense now. But I thought their <laughs> Southampton kits were pretty good. But just Everton. Oh, my gosh. What the heck? Their third kit for Everton is pretty good. But, like, yeah, the away kit. What? It's a bit it's weird. Too, yeah, it's a bit weird. No. You got to commit. If it's all, if it's going to be mostly black, just go all black. Just do what mm-hmm. the Germany away kit did with adidas this past uh euros just all black and then just color the the sleeve collar thing and then that's it <laughs> well, that's pretty clean so i don't know oh, that's just man. me yeah but that was uh that was kind of our section with like the kits i think as we said the away kits are very good this season but overall i think you know i think the the all the jerseys this season it seems like because of covid and even though covid's still going on i feel like all clubs were just like all right let's get all our designers and just make them go ham and make something really crazy at least for one of our kits and i feel like every club has a very unique looking kit this year i know that sounds like kind of like a weird thing to say every of course every club has a unique kit but I feel like this season especially, I feel like every major club has something like kind of wacky or something very unique going on with the kids this year. So Yeah, a pretty um, outlandish one. Yeah, I guess that's the word I'm looking for. Outlandish, outlandish ones out there. But yeah, overall I think the kids are good. But yeah, that's literally our last section of like this preview episode. It's a behemoth of an episode, uh, one hour and 32 minutes right now as we're going. But uh, as we mentioned before, we want to mention again that we are recording this on August 2nd. So bear in mind, if any transfers or anything has happened since then, we did record this on August 2nd. So any of our um, talks and such have just been based on what's happened since then. So of course, anything can change. But yeah, it's this is literally... Episode 120, our our preview pod. It was a long one, but super fun to kind of get back into it. And mm-hmm. we're definitely looking forward to bringing you uh, weekly episodes for season four. Kind of crazy season four, baby. But thank you guys once again. Um, we saw the downloads. We saw people were still listening to us even on our summer break. So we definitely appreciate everyone that has taken the time to listen to us throughout these past three seasons and going forward for season four, but also during the summertime as well. We appreciate everyone. Thank you guys once again for listening to this longer, um, definitely long episode of the uh, of the preview pod, but much needed. But once again, thank you guys. Peace. Peace. Peace.